gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello, and welcome to the Town Alone Podcast, the podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I am your host, Adam M. Hess, and with me as always, Mikey Regan. Mikey, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Adam. <laughs> the big yin to your yang. Um, no, I'm feeling great. It's Saturday, and uh, hyped up for another big slate of college football. We got the Red River rivalry, and I'm just trying to uh, fight off the urge to put everything I own on Missouri to beat LSU at home today, but we'll see. <laughs> Who's Missouri's quarterback? You're betting on fucking Missouri every week, aren't you? It's one of those things where they just were doing good for me betting-wise, so I just kind of fell in love, like, started to, like, really root for the team. They got a hell of an offense. Who's uh, their quarterback? Shit, off the top of my head, I actually couldn't tell you. <laughs> fucking embarrassing. Hold on, let me get that real quick. I mean, of course I know. For those of you who are new to this, this is the Town Alone Podcast. We're going to talk about football. This is our weekend podcast. We're going to go through a few different Pretty segments, cool. including a Thursday Night Football recap. Uh, what's up, Mike? Brady Cook. I thought he got drafted years ago by the Browns. No, you're thinking of, uh, who was the Cook that came out of Michigan State? Was it Connor Cook? I was doing Brady Quinn. Oh, we went with different names for our jokes there. <laughs> <laughs> or not jokes, but I gotcha. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It was very unprofessional. Go ahead. Well, let's just get the fucking podcast started. It's a podcast. People that are listening will figure it out. Yeah. So, Mike. Here's my question for you. Last week, we played a game called Worst Outcome, Best Outcome, and we went through a few teams, talked about their worst outcome and best outcome possible. Is this the Panthers' worst outcome? Are we seeing live the Panthers' worst possible outcome? 0-4, they don't have their own first, currently the first pick in the draft. Bryce Young does not look good. I, uh... You know, I don't want to partake in any of the Bryce Young negativity due to my priors. However, I will say, yeah, it's not going to look great if, especially if DJ Moore continues to put up massive yards. It's like, oh, we gave him up and the first pick. And uh, yeah, we don't look great here. Just a one for one. If neither person was on an NFL team, who would you draft first? Caleb Williams or Bryce Young? I hate. Last year, I would have said Bryce Young, but Caleb Williams has just been unfucking real. So I, I think I'd have to take Caleb Williams. He's like an he's uh, an inch taller. He's six foot one. So that's like four or five inches taller. That 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 one inch is going to save him from having to hear all like pre draft process. People will be like, "Yeah, but is it too short?" <laughs> like that one inch <laughs> is huge for him. It's the biggest Ayo. one inch in the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, how about this? Let me let me rephrase the question then. Since it was close for you, what if mm -hmm. I told you you could either have Caleb Williams and DJ Moore or Bryce Young? I take Caleb Williams and after that performance and DJ Moore. Yeah, it's uh it's not looking great for the Panthers. I do think that we're seeing their worst possible outcome right now, which going into the season, I would have put it like 15% for them to have the number 1 overall pick and for Bryce Young to look bad. Mhm. Mm they're on that path right now. They're on that path. They might have fucked up at drafting their court, especially because Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud look fucking legit, man. They look so good. Yeah, going back and like relooking at the DJ Moore trade, I was like, wow, they really, they believed in Bryce Young more than I did. <laughs> and I was all about Bryce Young. They gave up so much for him. 
they obviously thought he was going to be enough of a fix to get like make that pick drop to like what around like 15 or something like they thought maybe we'll be just outside the playoffs they could have been lying was, to themselves and be like we'll even make if the it playoffs. was like the sixth or seventh pick right still not a great trade but at least more defensible like if bryce young came out had like combined between passing and rushing 4100 yards 20 hmm. touchdowns nine interceptions and they had the eighth pick in the draft you'd be like hey you know what defensible but now Bryce Young has already missed a game looks like he can't throw in the middle of the field at all he's making decisions slowly and the team has the number one overall pick currently well I should say the team has the roster or is spotted with the number one overall pick the Bears currently have the number one overall pick yeah, the big thing for the uh, Panthers to turn around public perception on this is they need to pray that Bryce Young does a Justin Fields and all of a sudden flips a switch and is apparently God mode. <laughs> Man, I, we're going to get to I, that in a second. I would love, I would love to go in the order I have my rundown written up there, but I just feel like it's such a good natural segue. Let's uh, let's talk about some Thursday night football. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so the Commanders played some team, uh, and I don't think anyone saw it, so no one really knows what the result was. Uh, so you want to talk about week five then? You want to move on to the next thing? I mean, I know what the result was. You want me to tell you? <laughs> no. So okay. Chicago Bears at the Washington Commanders. Final score, 40-20, to 20, Chicago Bears. That line opened up. Commanders minus one and a half with an over-under of 42 and a half, which I bet the over. Closed Commanders minus six with an over under of 44 and a half, which by the way, it closed at minus six. PFF's betting tool said that line should have been minus 8.3. I could not Turns believe. Oh, I'm sorry. Dumb. Yeah, when I uh checked, like, I think it was Wednesday night, I started looking at any bets I might want to take on that game, and I could not believe that that spread had ballooned. I mean, no offense to the Commanders. But I just don't think they're like a touchdown spread team this season with yeah, Sam Howell QB. outside of the Panthers. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, Bears are now five and zero oh in overs. By the way, every game they've played is at the over, and I'm sure that trend will continue all season. And you forgot the big thing. This was a big win for them because it was the first time they actually covered the spread. They are now they are now four three and one against the spread. No, that like no, that's not right. They be they're one three and one. Yeah, they haven't played that many games. I'm an idiot, people. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> Just uh, going through some of my notes here, as I typically do on Thursday. I was watching the game on one screen while taking notes on another. QB. Okay, what we need to we need to come up with a talent alone term for the play where you have the quarterback sneak, but you just have your two biggest guys shove him over the line. What's your favorite term for that? Can I throw you my, want me to throw them out my, and pick one? I was just gonna say in my head, I immediately think bush push because bush push? of the end of the uh, USC Notre Dame game many millennia ago where Reggie Bush pushed Matt Leinart across the goal line for the dub. So is that where the term tush push comes from? Is it a play off that? Yeah, it must be a play on words, a double entendre. I didn't know that. Not really. <laughs> so the the ones that I've heard are tush push, mm -hmm. the brotherly shove. Because Philly kind of started it. Or the QB cheek. Oh, I like the QB cheek. I, I like the favorite. QB cheek too. So just to point out in this game, Justin Fields got QB cheeked four mm. times, all of which converted. 
DJ Moore in the first half, five receptions, 137 yards, and two touchdowns, with his final line being, I have it around here somewhere. 230 and three, I think. 230 and three touchdowns. Yeah, there you go. Which, just massive. I'm, a, as a the resident Washington Commanders fan, starting to get a little worried about the secondary. Emmanuel Forbes got benched in the fourth quarter, and they brought in this guy that I barely know named Johnson. Number 39 was playing outside corner for the team. Yeah. What are you laughing about there, bud? It's just such like an NPC name. Johnson, get in there. <laughs> Give him hell, kid. But St. Juice and Emmanuel Forbes got cooked this week and last week. Mm-hmm. But just, well, Emmanuel Forbes got especially cooked last week. But it's just big body wide receiver ones that these skinny dudes can't hang with. Like, I get it. Eman- well, also, Emmanuel Forbes is like the ball hog guy. That's why they drafted him. And he had a play where he went for an interception, missed, and DJ Moore just ran all the hell the way down the field for a touchdown. Yeah, uh, Cam Curl can only do so much to save the secondary. Oh, man. The secondary was also kind of a, a mess last night did, all across, uh, or two nights ago all across. Did, I didn't get to watch as much of the game as it was happening. Did Fuller at least hold it down? Fuller, as far as I could tell, only had really one blown play, and it was to DJ Moore. And he jumped, tried to jump the route and was just a smidge too late. And I don't think DJ Moore scored on that one, but he got pretty far down the field. I feel like when you watch Commander's games, you don't see Fuller a lot, which I feel like is a sign of a good player in the secondary. See, yeah, you, lately you've been seeing a lot of Emmanuel Forbes and a lot of Derek Forrest, but that's because yeah. Derek Forrest is constantly running all the way across the field to get a tackle. I'm uh, not feeling great about this Emmanuel Forbes thing. For all the shit I've talked about a bad first-round pick on Bryce Young, taking Emmanuel Forbes over Christian Gonzalez and Brian Branch, starting to look dumber and dumber by the day. He's so small, man. You've reminded me of that multiple times now, and every time I'm just like, ooh. Yeah, not great. Not Not great. Uh, So just, uh, we'll get back to this in a second, but while we're talking about it, some future big-body wide receiver ones that I'm starting to get kind of worried about on the commander schedule coming up. And maybe if you don't care about the commanders, consider this your preview to bet receiving total overs during these games. Get AJ Brown again on October 29th, DK Metcalf, November 12th, Cooper cup, December 17th, and a combination of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk on December 31st. That being said, that's week 17. And at that point, obviously, San Francisco won't have lost a game and will be resting their starters. So maybe we'll get away with that one. But getting worried about those. All those guys can bully Emmanuel Forbes and bully Benjamin St. Juice. Well, at least the Cooper Cup one's just allegedly. Maybe he won't be back. Cooper Cup's going to play this week. Allegedly. He could have a setback. You don't know. (laughs) I mean, if I'm the Rams, I'm telling him to sit the fuck down. Like, I'm trying to get this high draft pick, bud. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Well, Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell are going to ruin that anyways. That's true. That's true. Uh, that's the reason why I don't want Cup to come back. Like, don't don't sit on Puka. Like, don't cause him to not be all over the screen. Puka's the star. Deal with it, Cup. So, just a couple more Thursday Night Football notes. I uh, got a question for you. Is Justin Fields going to be good now? Is that what we're learning? Like, he's fucking slinging it, man. <laughs> I'm laughing because my first note was Fields is good now, I guess. <laughs> like, it was just a total 180 of what we saw the first three weeks. I can't even, like, explain it. Other than Chase Claypool's ego was so big, he couldn't see anything else on the field. 
Yeah. Uh, is is Ron Rivera the least riverboaty coach in the NFL? Yeah, he's gotten old, man. He's can't he can't take the uh the stress of those calls anymore. Too much on the heart. Rowboat Ron. You see Pat McAfee said that Ron Rivera is completely checked out. I didn't see that. Do you think he's yeah. like this is his last season, the enemy's taken over? Yeah, maybe. But apparent like I and I didn't I didn't listen to the clip, so I don't know if he was saying like based off body language or something like that, mm-hmm. or if McAfee has some inside information. Him and Tressway are meeting up behind the lockers and talking punter talk about Ron Rivera being checked out. Uh so we've been we've been using this nickname on and off. I'm officially renaming him. It's Rowboat Ron. Yes. I got some yes. I got some uh some group chats. I'm in with some Bears fans as I am now a native of the CM Punk City. Woo! And, and Best in the world, baby. And I it's like they won the fucking Super Bowl on Thursday, man. I mean, I guess losing fourteen straight games, you'll get to that point, but it was they were over the moon, especially because the Bears scored forty. And I'm pretty sure DJ Moore was thirty nine of those points. I meant to pull it up before we hit record because I was going to ask you about it. But did you see the Magic Johnson tweet? No, but this is one of my all-time favorite games to play. Is like Magic Johnson tweet or AI? I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pull it up real fast. All right, so this was his tweet after the game tonight. And anybody who reads Magic Johnson tweets are always hilarious because he it's like a Wikipedia article the way he says things. Um, Tonight, the Commanders played with no intensity or fire. We didn't compete in the first half and got down 27-3 to heading into halftime. It was too big of a hole to climb out of, and that is why we ended up losing 40-20. You got to give him credit, man. Magic Johnson says right there in less than 260 characters what, like, David Aldridge and Ben Standig wrote 2,000 words on the next day. Yeah, it was just funny because his tweets are always very, like, he doesn't think the internet exists and people don't know what happened in the game or what the score was. Uh, and so this yeah, one Magic was Johnson, Magic Johnson thinks that no one knows what happened in a game until they read Magic Johnson's tweet. Yeah. And this one was that weaved in with him just like, you know, pooping on his own team that he is now yeah. partial owner of <laughs> damn magic. You, you know, so, it's starting to get under my skin a little bit. What? Every time they cut to Josh Harris, he's in a good mood. Bro, your team sucks. I get it. You're the new owner. You saved us from Snyder. But when they cut to you and your team's down 27 to 3, don't be laughing and showing people your phone. Be grumpy, man. Yeah, you got to have like that Jerry Jones face, like where you can just like, he's not happy, you know, or like that uh, Steve Ballmer face, you know? Yeah, see, as much as you can complain about Jerry Jones and Steve Ballmer, at least as a fan, you know, those guys live and die by the result. Maybe it's just like year one of owning a team. He's just always happy. He's like, this is so cool. I own a football team. So that's, awesome. So that's great. great. I've been following this team since like 2006. And I'm not happy. So maybe you could pretend at least. Fuck's sake. So can I, uh, can I throw an idea I kind of had to, about like a move the commanders could possibly make? Okay. Trade Sam Howell for Kirk Cousins. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Vikings would say no. Yeah. He's a... Uh, have you ever thought to like, you know, get some assets back? Maybe we, maybe you guys trade Terry. I mean, I know that may sound blasphemous, but yeah, the talking point has been trade Chase Young, who had a big night. I mean, he played really well, 
But moving Terry and Chase Young to get stuff back would be good for the team. However, it would be terrible for the fan base who's fallen head over heels in love with Terry McLaurin. So many jerseys. So many jerseys. So many jerseys. And the guy, I mean, poor guy just never gets the ball thrown to him anymore. Yeah. So he, it was he got out targeted by Curtis Samuel. Yeah. So it was this was during the fourth quarter. Um and I think it was before he got because he had like the one big play in the fourth, which bumped his numbers up a little bit. But I think at that point he had like two catches for like what thirteen yards prior to that or something. And I was like, if you're not even gonna target him, why not just move him and get something for him? Like yeah, I feel he, like you can for sure get him first. Too. Right? Yeah. Well, no, probably not. I mean, we'll talk about it in a second, but the trade value for NFL players is so basement right now. I think he's getting out-targeted by Diami Brown and Curtis Samuel, which is not a good thing. Uh, Jahan Dotson's not really involved. No. Logan Weird. Thomas is getting more targets than him. So, I mean, like, it, it, it sucks that Sam Howell kind of stinks. So, part of this was, like, I, ha- I cooked up a same-game parlay, and the two parts, the two legs that didn't hit, all my Bears-related legs hit. The two legs that didn't were uh, Robinson over rushing yards, and then, which was like, I think I took him like 60 plus or whatever. And then I took Terry like over on receiving. And I was, that's why like then the thought popped into my head because I was angry about losing a bet. And I was like, if you're not going to fucking throw to him, just trade him. God damn it. <laughs> you're costing me money. But then I, I looked at the box score and I was like, why are we feeding Logan Thomas? Like what is going on right now? Yeah. It's because Sam Howell has become the check down God. Yeah. He's throwing six yard comebacks three downs in a row i'm and so we're we're like on the precipice of this huge evolution in football offense in two ways one the miami dolphins saying what if we just had players run before the snap so when the ball is snapped they're going at full speed mm-hmm. and two teams like the colts saying oh wait our quarterback is a battery ram what if we just went for two every time and had him run the ball in and it's working. Both those things are working. Mm-hmm. And the commanders on the other end of things are like, what if we kick field goals when we're down 30 points and it's fourth and six? And what if we have all of our routes be first read hook routes to Logan Thomas? So we're just going to get left behind on this shit right now. And part of the problem is that Sam Howell stinks. But the other part of the problem is that we're not taking advantage of players like Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. And I know that we probably should be talking about the Bears because the Bears actually won first game in 14 games they won. But this, this Commanders thing is like really on rotten ice right now. I mean, it's it's so close to collapsing everywhere. I don't know if enemy's it. Jack Del Rio's defense is so inconsistent. Our secondary, that's supposed to be the best secondary in... Chase Young's, and I keep almost calling him Chase Claypool, and Chase Young's entire time there is, or maybe that was Jonathan Allen said it, either way, someone on the defensive line said it, is getting torched because Emmanuel Forbes is the weakest link in the entire chain. And with new ownership coming in, you have to assume that they're going to clear your house next year, so maybe the coaching staff has even checked out. It's just, this team's on such rotten ice right now that getting rid of assets like Terry and Chase Young and Andrew Wiley. I couldn't think of a third asset. Makes a lot of sense right now. So you kind of answered my next question because I was going to, just like last week, I was going to do a check-in with you on the hallow meter to see how you're feeling, but I think I already got the vibe there. Uh, I, I'm kind of like surprised. I was 
I guess I should say really surprised, but I've been a little surprised that Del Rio's even was back after last year. I feel like your defense on paper for the last couple seasons should have been better than it's performed. So I feel like Del Rio should have been gone. Yeah, he's he's coasting because it's like every other year the defense will be good. And defense is inconsistent, so it's it's really hard to predict sometimes. But he gets like like last year, he got like this huge spike year from De'Aaron Payne that made that team look really good because De'Aaron Payne's getting pressure from the inside. He's stopping the run. We're staying competitive in games despite having Taylor Heineke at quarterback. And then this year, it's like the secondary is getting torched on everything. And I, as a person, I don't like Jack Del Rio. And it's kind of hard to figure out if he's a good coordinator or not. But I think if he's like, like we were talking about last week, if he's not a top 10 coordinator and not a bottom 10 coordinator, then having Ron Rivera as our head coach isn't gaining us anything, right? We don't have a head coach that drags up bad coordinators or mediocre coordinators. So the whole team just lands in the gross middle. So I got I to gotta admit, uh, we probably spent too long talking about Thursday Night Football at this point. Uh, we're like half an hour into the podcast. All right, let's move along. Let's uh, just real quick. Once again, the Bears played out of their fucking mind. I mean, Justin Fields has now two weeks in a row strung together the best game of his career. DJ Moore showed that he is actually a wide receiver one. If he can keep up the production like he had, I mean, not literally 230 and three every week, but if he can continue to play through contact and make catches through bodies and be the biggest dude on the field. That's going to be big for them. I mean, and their run game couldn't even get going until late. Like, Roshan Johnson wasn't doing shit until late in the game when Washington stopped stacking the line. I guess they were afraid of DJ Moore, but fuck, guys, we were way down. You knew what game script was going to be at that point. Uh, Justin Fields wasn't really running it that much. I mean, their run game wasn't going. We knew they were passing, and they were still lighting us up. So if they can keep going like this, I think we might actually be on the verge of a Bears turnaround, which starts to make the whole question of if Justin Fields is good, and they're getting the top two or two of the top five picks at the end of the season. What can they get for that first overall pick to someone who wants Caleb Williams? Like, can they turn the first overall pick from last year into like four firsts in total? Because that would be awesome. Not out of the realm of possibility. Not out of the realm of possibility. I, I have, oh, I just I threw out that answer because. We are doing a top ten mock draft later in the show, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give my opinion on if the the Bears do that or not then. But that would be that'd be wild if once again they just got a massive haul. I mean, you, they'd be tempted to do it again because it worked out for them like last year. So I mean, like honestly, like couldn't you see a world in which this matchup right here, the Commanders trade the Bears, like Scary Terry, a first, another first a third first and like some other pick swaps or some shit to move up to one. You're talking new owner syndrome, mediocre team and an expensive aging wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. I can see that happening. Yeah. Especially if by the end of the year, they're just like, yeah, Hal's not the guy. I'm, I'm already kind of there. <laughs> You're already there. I know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, don't have as elegant of a transition this time. But there was three trades this week that were a player and a seventh for a six-round pick because the NFL is boring as fuck. So we have J.C. Jackson goes back to New England. It's J.C. Jackson and a seventh for a sixth. We have Randy Gregory to the San Francisco 49ers. 
which was Randy Gregory and a seventh for a sixth. And we have Chase Claypool to the Miami Dolphins, which is Chase Claypool and a seventh for a sixth. Which is worth pointing out with the Chase Claypool thing. That is some Dogecoin level fall off in his value. They traded the 32nd overall pick for him and then had to trade him and a seventh away to get a sixth rounder. That, uh, that's interesting. Is that like Mike McDaniels being like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just throw another dude in there. It, like the 49ers and the Miami trade to me are really interesting, L- like less so than the New England one, but the the 49ers and the Miami one, because both those are like, well, we have this really strong unit. What if we just threw another guy in there? Like uh, you could argue, I, I'm saying like so much today. You could say Miami's wide receiver room is their biggest strength right now, but they're adding Chase Claypool to it, who's a big body guy, underperformed his whole life, but they got him for nothing. So you're adding Chase Claypool to a stacked wide receiver room without giving up anything. And then in San Francisco, you have either the best defense or the second best defense in the league. And you just said, eh, what if we add another pass rusher in there and pay nothing for it? I feel like, so I should say, I wonder if smart offensive coaches like a McDaniels sometimes will go after like an underperforming uh, offensive player just to be like, I'm going to show how smart I am. I'm going to fix that dude. Like a challenge. They want the challenge. Yeah. Now I'm it, saying like a lot. <laughs> it's it's almost the basketball trade where you get a team who trades for, say, Jameis Winston for nothing and says, well, you guys couldn't get him enough time on the court, so we're going to trade for him. We're going to give him more time and see what we can get out of him. Or Portland with DeAndre Ayton, right? This guy's going to be go from being the, or Jeremy Grant to Portland even. This guy's going to go from being the, well, I guess Jeremy Grant to Detroit, but that was a signing. Anyways, I'm getting too far in the weeds. But you're going to say, this guy's going to go from being the fifth most important person to the second or third most important person, and let's see what he can do. It's a little different with Chase Claypool, because he's supposed to be wide receiver too, but that that whole situation was kind of fucked. So now he's going to be probably wide receiver four, but he's going to be in just a much, much, much better offense. Let's just see what he can do. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a couple games where he makes some big plays, like big catches. I don't think he's going to all of a sudden pop off for 100 yards a game, but I could see there being like that one crucial game where they convert like a fourth and 11 where Claypool goes up and like battles for the catch and everybody's like, See, the Claypool trade paid off. Geniuses, these Dolphins, geniuses. I really, just uh, to put a a cap on this and we'll move on, I really don't understand this J.C. Jackson trade. I don't know how it makes sense for the Chargers. Like, I get he wasn't playing well, but who else are you plugging in there? Like, your defense is, is screwed up anyways. How is getting rid of a starting cornerback gonna improve things? Unless the relationship was just screwed up. And I also don't get what New England gains from this trade. Maybe it's just Belichick wanting one of his guys back. I just don't get the point of this trade. I imagine it's a situation where bring a guy in who it's a familiar territory. He's been here before. He'll pick the system up. He knows what we do here, how we play. Super cheap. Um, There's a potential out in his contract after 2024, so it's like low risk. They didn't give much up. I did not realize... Well, I should say I knew... He was not living up to what the Chargers expected when they signed him. 
but looking more into like some of the numbers and like the PFF grades, you know, for as much of what they can tell you, sometimes it's they don't give you the, it's not the full story, but it can be an indicator. And he was terrible. He's been terrible for him. But everyone not named Derwin James has been terrible for them. Like Joey Bosa is underperforming. Khalil Herbert outside of last week is underperforming. Maybe it's a Brandon Staley thing. Maybe that's the conversation. But I will give Staley some credit, you know? This week, there's it's impossible for him to end up on our Brandon Staley Memorial worst coaching decision of the week. Because they're on a bye? Because they're on a bye. <laughs> he's some, he's going to do something. I don't know how, but he's going to do something. <laughs> Maybe his worst coaching decision was trading away J.C. Jackson. Hmm. All right, Mike. While we're talking about draft picks here, I'm going to screw up our, our rundown order here a little bit just because it makes more sense this way. Let's uh, talk a way too early mock draft. You are the college football guy, so hopefully you'll have more notes than me. I just kind of went through here and went in order of where everyone's currently picking and made picks for them. So I was thinking we could go one of two ways about this. Either we can just go through the drafts here, each going through our picks, and we could talk about a little bit about what we're thinking with the pick, or we can go back and forth. Like, you take odds, I'll take evens. Let's both give our top 10. I'm, I'm curious, all your... It's interesting, the picks. <laughs> it's interesting, the picks. I will say, for the first two, when we give our picks, we should just bundle them together. Okay, yeah. Let me, let me hear your first two picks, then. So, obviously, Chicago right now are looking like geniuses sitting at one and two. <laughs> A lot it of both, It both makes you look competent and incompetent, right? Because you traded, yeah. and you now have the number one overall pick. But also, you have the number two overall pick. Yeah, but... No one's going to look at that point. They're just going to look at the Carolina pick and be geniuses, I tell you. Uh, a lot of mock drafts still have like them taking Caleb Williams with, one of the, with like the first overall pick. And I, if Fields keeps playing like this, I think there is no chance. So my mock draft is set in the universe where Fields keeps lighting it up and they don't go Caleb Williams. And I think number one overall, I know DJ Moore just had a monster game but they cannot resist the temptation of teaming him with Marvison Har- Marvin Harrison fucking Jr. Marvison, Marvison Harrison <laughs> Jr.'s out of Ohio State. Hands down, wide receiver one in the draft. His production hasn't been the same as it was last year, but he also went from C.J. Stroud to... Um, the name escapes me. Uh, of their current quarterback. But that's obviously, I think, part of it. I mean, when they play lesser teams, he still demolishes them. So I think he'll be fine. I think they go number one with him. And then I think with number two, they come back around. Kyle McCord. Thank you. That's it. Kyle McCord. And I think with the second pick, they decide to beef up the line, get some pressure on quarterbacks. They go with Jared Verse, the edge out of Florida State. I won't go into detail on this. I talked about him in my uh, all-transfer portal defense. Big fan. Uh, I do. I will say, though, he still affects games. But... He's going to need to pick up his production a little bit as the season goes on, or he could start to slide his draft stock, but that's not what we're talking about here. So yeah. I have, I, I do want to say, I don't even two. have verse on my top 10. Wow. Wow. All right, who do you got for Chicago at one and two? So your picks are fucking stupid. I'll start with that. There's no <laughs> way. Fucking stupid. No way they take Marvin Harrison Jr. first overall. I have the Bears taking Marvin Harrison Jr. second overall. <laughs> And first overall, I do have him digging Caleb Williams. I like I, I love the field type as much as anyone else. I'm I'm willing to go with the tide whichever way we decide to talk about fields in a given week. I've been on both ends with this conversation. But you don't pass up 
you don't pass up great for good, right? You know who made a mistake similar to that is the Pistons not drafting Michael Jordan. You just because you have a player at the position doesn't mean you shouldn't take a better player at the position. If you could draft Caleb Williams and move Justin Fields to a QB needy team, that is a move you do. If Caleb Williams is as good as the hype says, you're going to regret not taking him because you wanted to stick it out with Justin Fields. So I'm saying Caleb Williams, number one overall to the Chicago Bears by way of the Carolina Panthers. Number two overall, Marvison Harrison Jr. I was going to say, I have seen a lot of mock drafts with that that same idea. And it would be a bad idea, but who knows? I mean, Fields just could keep keep going at it. Yeah, if he throws for 300 yards every week, I'll start calling him the C.J. Stroud of the NFC. I like it. All right, Mike, who do you have at number three going to the Raiders of Las Vegas? So if you're a Raiders fan, you hope that my scenario works and actually happens because that means Caleb Williams, the QB1 of this draft, slides down to you, which would be wild. Uh, Too bad they're not still in Oakland because that would be like a California thing from USC to Oakland. Anyway, not important. Everybody knows the hype around Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, he can make all throws. Massive arm, can throw on the run, can throw with like just get a zip on the ball with his body at weird angles in in no way. Kind of like a Mahomes and an Allen, you know, like you shouldn't have that much zip on a ball when your body is like that and you can't plant your feet and drive it. Off platform, they call it. Off platform, yes, thank you. Uh, he's not the biggest dude in the world. So six one and um, I want to say two twenty roughly. A little thick, but not the biggest dude in the world. However, when I watch him play, he just looks bigger for some reason. I don't know what it is. Uh, He plays bigger than he looks, but I have the Raiders hitting the jackpot by Caleb Williams falling to him. So I obviously know they're not going to take a quarterback because they have Aiden O'Connell in the wings, who is the future of the franchise. No, I'm just kidding. I have the Raiders taking Drake May. Uh, Basically the same argument. You know, it's a quarterback needy team. As much as I've loved to talk up Aiden O'Connell, he doesn't have the same skill set that some of these other guys do. He can't move. He can't take off. He's not throwing off platform. He's like Jimmy Garoppolo, but young. He's going to sit in the pocket, go through his reads, make a throw. If they're smart, they won't stick to their guns and say, we already have a quarterback in either Jimmy Garoppolo or Aiden O'Connell. That being said, I believe currently Josh McDaniels is leading the league in Brandon Staley Memorial Worst Coaching Decision of the Week Award. So if they keep him on, we'll see what their decision is, but I currently have them taking Drake May, number three overall. So Denver at four. Denver at four. Denver at four, four o'clock now. Denver <laughs> at four. That sounds like a, like a song name for like a folk punk band, Denver at four, like a mountain goat song. Sorry, off you, the rails. You, you working, you're working your tight 11 in here, seeing if you can yeah. polish up before your comedy club routine. <laughs> so the deal I, with Denver at four. If I had a comedy club routine, I don't think I would mention the Mountain Goats. For some reason, I feel like people wouldn't get it. <laughs> so Denver with the fourth pick. This is another one where, like, yeah, they need a quarterback, probably. I think they still have Russ. They're paying him a lot of money, and they're going to stick to their guns and run with him again. So I'm going Kool-Aid McKinstry cornerback out of Alabama. I love me some Kool-Aid. 6'1", 195, which basically makes him the size of a corner in the NFL. Um, you know, uh, last season posted 49.7% completions, uh, completion percentage against them. Was awesome in that secondary that also f- featured Brian Branch uh, at safety, but, you know, same side of the ball. Um, 
had a slow start to this year, bounced back since the Texas game they lost, only gave up three catches on nine targets, two pass breakups. I think the big part of this is Patrick Sertan needs help, dude. Yeah. And especially in the, like, in your defensive secondary compared to your offensive secondary, (laughs) you should never be like, oh, I got one stud corner, so I don't need another. No, why not have two stud corners, especially when one's going to be on a cheap rookie deal? Fucking send it, bud, and lock the shit down. Yeah, cornerback isn't quarterback or even wide receiver, right? The other team can choose to pick on the worst link in the chain. Uh, See the Bears' performance against Emmanuel Forbes this week. I really like that pick. It actually makes me feel worse about my pick. The Broncos desperately need help on defense as they are currently terrible on defense. So taking anyone on the defensive side of the ball is not a bad call for them as long as that person performs. I ended up taking them, taking Olu Fashanu. Is that how you pronounce it? Is it tackle? Fashanu. Yeah, I like how we both just went with uh, Olu instead of his full name, which I think is like Oluyamid maybe? I have it written out here, but I'm just shortening it because I can't say it. My apologies. I hate it when people do this. Learn how to say players' names when you cover a sport, but uh, I'm going to struggle on some college players. It is not my forte, so I apologize to Olu Fashanu. Uh, When you're in the NFL, I'll get your name right, I promise. But the Broncos, you're talking about a team that just needs to rebuild from the studs up. And as every old man in the world will say, Mike, how do you win championships? Defense. Trenches. Close enough. Okay. <laughs> so talk, talk about an offensive tackle. Why would I say defense when I'm talking about an offensive tackle there, Mike? No. Fuck's sake. <laughs> old people do say defense wins championships. My bad. Old people say you win championships in the trenches. They say. Both. Anyways, I have taken an offensive tackle. They brought in Mike McGlinchey. Don't love the fit there. They have that other guy they drafted on the left side whose name is Escape Me right now. But you're talking about an aging quarterback who's probably not going to be there for very long, but still probably a few more seasons. You got an old school coach in the building, Sean Payton, and a team that desperately needs to rebuild in a way that they've never really attempted. So I think you start, tear out all of the infrastructure, put in new high-quality players on the offensive and defensive line. So I think that their first pick of the new era should be an offensive tackle. You can never go wrong with just beefing up the line in the trenches. I totally agree with that. All right, Mike, who do you have at number five going to the Vikings? So once again, if you are similar to the Raiders, if you're the Vikings, you want my picks to be accurate because that means Drake May slides to you, a dude who would be the top quarterback on most draft boards if he didn't share a draft year with Caleb Williams. They can say goodbye to overpaying Kirk Cousins and say hello to having a cheap rookie franchise quarterback. Basically, everything we said about Caleb Williams, very similar to what Drake May does. He's a little bit bigger at 6'4". I've made... Part of the reason why I really like Drake May, to be honest, to be transparent, is I've made some good money uh, betting the spread on UNC this year because I, for some reason they keep just making the spread short... Not what it, I think it should be, considering the caliber of quarterback Drake May is and what that offense can do. But that's not part of why I'm talking about this. But Minnesota, it's not taking a step back. It's not like, oh, we lose Cousins and we go to this rookie QB and now it's going to take time. No, if anything, you might actually be in a better position. I'm just going to go ahead and, sh- and shoot my shot and say Drake May will totally be just as good as Cousins. Maybe this rookie year is asking a lot. But by his second year, he'll be fucking running and gunning, bud. He also, he's that like prototypical big hoss fucker that NFL teams like. 6'5", 225 pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a guy you can, you can brotherly shove for first downs over and over again. I'll be honest about my, my Vikings pick here. Mm-hmm. 
With the Vikings, I'm thinking that they probably go defense early. It's another team that's lacking on the defensive side of the ball. And if we were doing this mock draft all the way down, I think we see them take someone like Quinn Ewers later on as a, a replacement to Kirk Cousins. Maybe they franchise tag Kirk Cousins so that he can set the all-time record for most times being franchise tagged in an NFL contract and have Quinn Ewers sit behind him for a year. But I don't know if I would see them taking a high-end quarterback unless they like really get up there like number two overall and somehow end up Caleb Williams I haven't taken the edge rusher who once again my apologies for the pronunciation I will get your name right when you're in the NFL Liatu Latu oh yeah at UCLA yeah I think that we see them bring in someone who can really set the edge in this team they haven't really had a guy like that since Everson Griffiths Griffins Griffiths Griffin I really just told this guy I'll get his name right in the NFL and then fucked up an NFL player's name. I think we, but they haven't, they haven't had a guy who can really rush the passer since then. Their entire defense is getting a little older. And with Kirk Cousins probably out of the building at the end of this year or next, I think we can see them start to take a younger slant on things and try to, try to say, okay, our, our building block is Justin Jefferson and we just need to figure everything else out. So I think we see them once again, kind of like the Broncos, build from the trenches out, maybe take a quarterback later. I like it. You're just saying, fuck big boards, Jared Verse, Dallas Turner, the other two big names, get out of here. I'm going with Leitu Latu, if I got that right. I don't know. That UCL defense is really good, and I think he's a massive part of it. So I actually do really like that pick. Uh, I, Yeah, I just I just pulled up Tankathon's big board. They have uh, Leitu Latu 17th on their big board. But he's just like, he's fucking huge, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just can't help it. 6'4", 265. He's fucking huge. Yeah, I feel like with a lot of NFL prospects, uh, you have to, like, people add on the thing of, like, oh, once he gets to the NFL, tack on some pounds, and we'll be good to go. He's good. He doesn't attack on any more weight. <laughs> he's there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just looking at some of the people, like, up higher, like, verse... Turner and Chop Robinson are all just smaller than him. And smaller's not a bad thing, right? You can really like beat guys up the edge. I mean, look at like Montez Sweat, who it's like, what if I just was fast? And it works, right? But I just love big ass defensive ends. All and about not to, it. I agree. And not to be cheesy, but you don't want to run into that scenario as an edge rusher where it's Coaches feel like I can't play you every down. You know, I can't. I'm worried about all you can do is beat a tackle and get to the quarterback, hopefully. I Can you help us in the run? It, it's just like a thing with the size. Yeah. I was trying to speak to your point and I yeah. muddled it. And it I mean, you're like, if you're going up against a gap run scheme and you have someone that wants to get between the tackle and the guard, this is the guy that's going to stop that. I mean, even if you're, you're doing like outside run shit, like zone, outside zone, and you want a guy who can stop the tackle from pushing him all the way to the boundary. You get a thick fucker like this in the building. That's going to do it. Two things you said I've loved thick fucker. Before that, you said uh, big hoss fucker big and hoss. We, <laughs> big hoss fucker. We need that on a t-shirt. I love it. Uh, next up the New York jets, the jets of New Jersey on the clock. I have them going. Wait, 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 do the draft music thing. Do the hit whenever the person's on the clock. Is it like that's that little jingle, right? Yeah. 
I can hear it, but I can't do it. I'm tone deaf, so I can't do it. Yeah. So it sounds like Rogers says he ain't done. He's come back to prove the haters wrong. This year. Coming back this This year. year. 51-year-old Aaron Rodgers on one leg. If the Jets sign off on that and they want to roll with it, uh, all the power to them. But if they do that, one big thing they're going to need to do with a old-ass quarterback with only one good Achilles, keep him upright. So I went with Ola Fashionu out of Penn State University, 6'6", 319. He's a big ass fucker. Excels as a pass blocker. Third highest pass blocking grade in the FBS right now. That Penn State uh, offensive line has kept Drew, QB Drew Aller upright, only allowed four sacks through five games. So similar rationale for my pick here, which we have overlapped on zero picks so far. I love it. So same same general thesis here for me, but I'm going a bigger hoss fucker than you. I think you're going to like this pick. Joe Alt. Oh, yeah. Notre Dame. Just get, a, just get a guy in the building who can block, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, this the Jets' biggest weakness besides Zach Wilson has been their offensive line. Get, get more humans in the, the building. I mean, Mekhi Becton's kind of looking like a bust. They have some older players on there who are playing decently, but... This, they don't have a championship caliber offensive line right now, and they need guys like Joe Alt in the building, who is just, you know, you can run, <laughs> you can run uh, Leia to Latu into him, and that's a guy that can match him for size. 6'8", little skinny, 315, you know, kind of a thin guy. Nothing for that. I mean, it's called a guy at 315 pounds thin. I mean, by offensive line standards, I guess he's probably in the lower percentile. <laughs> Yeah, same same rationale between the two of us. Just get get some offensive line help in the building. Next up, the New England Patriots. When was the last time they drafted in the top ten? Mac Jones. Was that top ten? I thought it was number ten, yeah. which would be it might, top ten. It might, it might have been seventeenth or something. It was crazy late. I don't know. I it's been it's been a minute. But they're sitting here at six, and I'm sorry, seven. And I think someone ties Bill Belichick to a chair. He's like, whatever boring ass pick you were going to make, we're not doing it. I also think Belichick can't stand to look at Mac Jones anymore. Like, he just disgusts him. I think they're going QB here. The question is, what QB? Is it Quinn Ewers? No. Is it Bo Nix? No. A big name people are looking at is Shadur Sanders. I don't think he's going in the draft. That's a note I have here. I think he's going to come back, play one more year with his dad. Plus, primetime's telling him. He's like, you could go this year and be like the third or fourth QB off the board. Or you could go next year and be the first QB off the board. So I think he's definitely staying. So with that in mind, I'm going Michael Penix Jr., the QB out of Washington. 6'3". I don't remember how the pounds. I apologize. 216. Uh, 2'16". Had a huge year last year after when he transferred to Washington after having the worst fucking luck of anybody. His first four years at, I believe it was Indiana, just hurt every year. A lot of like big-time season-ending injuries. Uh, transfers to Washington. Monster year last year. This year, he's following up. Dude's throwing out a 75% completion clip. 16 touchdowns to two interceptions. He's, people try to blitz him. Big mistake. He's, you know, 12, 12 yards a, an attempt on um, when people decide to blitz him. Seven touchdowns, no picks. The Patriots have no other first-round picks this year. And I don't think they can afford to wait to round two when picking after them is Atlanta, QB Needy, Saints, who are QB on the border. Needy. Yeah, okay, thank you. QB Needy, Washington, as you said earlier, QB Needy. The Los Angeles Rams. QB Needy. 
the Los Angeles Rams need to start preparing for life after Matt Stafford. Obviously, I call that QB needy. And then Pittsburgh. Cardinals, Cardinals currently picking after them. True. And the Cardinals, whatever they, they have, I think the report came out that said they have not, they're not all in on keeping Murray. They haven't made a decision yet. Plus Pittsburgh, as Kenny Pickett seems to be submarining his, uh, his value there. So they got to go for it. They got to get the QB now. A big thing I just want to point out, keep an eye this week, Washington plays Oregon. Bo Nix is that QB. And I think whoever comes out of that game on top could play a very big role in uh, the draft order these QBs going. So Michael Penix Jr., not in, my, not in my top 10. I will say, love the idea of having the only two left-handed quarterbacks in the league in the same division. Pretty sweet. Like watching that game, those two guys play, you'll have to convince yourself that you're not accidentally have your TV set up mirrored. Yeah, and Penix Jr., just to add on, a very good quarterback. I mean, you can watch him see he processes things quick. He can go through reads, has good arm strength. The big question is just that dude has had major surgeries. Can you hold up? And he's a six-year senior, so he's a little bit older. So he's Malik Hooker, but better. Yeah. I have the Patriots taking the most Bill Belichick possible first-round draft pick that you can get away with without losing your job. I am taking Brock Besser, number seven overall. Just trying to replace Gronk. Brock Bowser. Brock, what did Brock I say? Bowers. He said Brock Besser. Who's that? It sounds really familiar. That's a hockey player. That's a hockey player, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Canucks, that's right. Bowers, thank you. I'll, I'll know how to say your name when you're in the NFL. <laughs> Just trying to get the, uh, the Gronk replacement in the building, hoping that that can elevate Mac Jones to not being the worst quarterback in the division, including Zach Wilson. Not merely much else to say there. I mean, just seems like Bill Belichick pick. I don't think the guy's watched a football game since 1986, so he probably still thinks tight end is the most important position in the game. Mike, who do you have, number eight, going to the Cincinnati Bengals? I mean, in his defense, he made tight end an extremely important position in the game, so (laughs) got to give him that. Anyway, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals pick at number eight. If you are a member of the Bengals facility, run up behind Joe Burrow and kick him in the calf. Because you want to get this eighth pick. Me and you are once again are just like one off each other. Uh, I got Brock Bowers going to the Bengals and just making that receiving core just fucking lethal. So 6'4", 240. Runs a 4'4". So you, anybody out there who was like, oh, a lot of people run, a lot of people run 4'4". Okay, put on way 240 and run a 4 fucking 4, bud. (laughs) Like that's crazy athletic. He has the ability to just take over games. Georgia's been struggling. They've been a team that they're number one overall or number one ranked, but there's this sense of they lost a lot of guys from their championship team and they're still like putting it all together. Last week, struggling against Auburn, Bowers comes out late in the third and just takes over. He finishes with, uh, thought I had his stat line pulled up. I do. He finishes with eight catches, 157 in the game winning, what it went on to be the game winning touchdown. He has that Cooper cup in him. Just, keep feeding me and I'm going to take over this game. He's also considered by a lot of scouts, a better blocker than Pitts was and Pitts went four overall, but so I think Bowers can go eight overall. Do you think Bowers is going to get taken eight overall and then never used at all in the offense? And everyone's going to complain about that for the next four years until the next tight end prospect comes along. So I do want to say this because anybody who's listened to me talk as I went after the idea of taking a tight end so high, you can do it. I just think that they have to hit their like ceiling for it to actually pay off in hindsight. So I would gamble here that Bowers would hit his ceiling. 
let me ask you this. You have the option right now. You can either have the rights to Bowers or Sam Laporta. Who are you mm. taking? I can't believe you maybe pick with two my guy and Bowers. I'm taking Bowers. Sorry. I'm taking Laporta. Really? Yeah. Mind you, I haven't watched a second of college football in years, but taking Laporta. That would just be Chase, Higgins, Bowers. Is Hunter Hurt? Is Hayden Hurst still the tight end one? One Cincinnati? of those guys there is. One of those guys does. Like it's either Hayden that. Hurst or Hunter Henry. Yeah, I like Hunter Henry somewhere else. Where is it? Oh, he's in he's in New England. That's right. So I have the Bengals. Once again, kind of my ethos with the top of the drafts. You take a quarterback or you build in the trenches. That's so far, the only person that has superseded that has been Marvin Harrison Jr. And I guess Bowers, but you got to kind of consider tight end to be trenches sometimes. Chop Robinson, second edge, I guess, defensive end, off the board, outside linebacker. But Chop Robinson, going to the Bengals, another team that could use some pass rush help. They have some, some pieces on defense now compared to where they were a few years ago, but still not all the way there, not a Super Bowl contention level defense the way that you see in San Francisco or Dallas or even Kansas City this year. Really need to get a couple pieces in the building. And what better year to do it than the year that Joe Burrow turns back into a pumpkin? Any thoughts on Chop Robinson there, Mike? I think you drafted him this high because of his name. Oh, wait until my next pick. Then you'll really see who I drafted too high because of their name. All right, we'll move it on to the Arizona Cardinals. The Josh Dobbs franchise. There's a lot of ways you could go with this pick. There's a lot of holes that the Cardinals need to fill. I'm going to go with them getting help on the defensive side of the ball with Jerzon Newton out of Illinois. Interior defensive lineman, 6'2", 295, another big boy. You think interior defense, you're probably thinking, oh, it's a guy who's going to be good against the run. He's actually very balanced, strong against the run. He can also generate pressure. Three hits on the QB, three sacks, two batted balls this year to go along with his 21 stops. Uh, he's on pace to set career highs across the board in that. I think he fills a lot of holes because the Cardinals struggle uh, generating pressure and stopping the run. So why not get a guy who can do both? Also, as a side note, later on, they have the 14th round pick from Houston. 14th round? 14th overall pick from Houston. And I think Houston, as the year goes on, is going to look very smart for giving up their first rounder and keeping the one they got from the Browns. You think Houston's going to finish higher than the Browns in the standings? Absolutely. Wow. Stroud crown, baby. Stroud Stroud crown. So I have the uh, Arizona Cardinals featuring two androids in Jonathan Gannon and Josh Dobbs. Taking Kool-Aid McKinstry. Yeah. There we go. Like you said, a lot of holes to fill on this team. Josh Dobbs is single-handedly pushing them out of the top-end pick consideration. There's a chance they can move Kyler to a quarterback needy team for some kind of pick higher up, or maybe another first rounder just in general. But you got to start somewhere at nine, just take the best player on the board. And there's arguments being made about plenty of the guys I've left off here. I mean, I, like you said, Jared verse still there. Jerzan uh, Newton, who you already took still there. Players of that caliber, Dallas Turner, if you want to say, still there. But it's kind of just take whoever the best player on the board is at nine when you have this many problems on a team to fix. 
Yeah, I love the pick. Uh, long days are the gone of Patrick Peterson and Tyron Matthew out there in the secondary. So time to get a new franchise defensive back in there. You could also gone like Kalen King at a Penn State. Either one would be a, a great pick there. I actually, when I first started making my mock 10, I had Kool-Aid McKintry going there. But as things changed and I decided that Denver will continue to be delusional and stick with Russ, that was the that just changed a lot of things on my board. All right, Mike, as we have now gone once again very long in the segment, as we are prone to do, let's uh, close it out here. Who do you have the New York Giants taken at 10? You didn't think, and I was proud of you, you had him go a lot sooner, but you didn't think that I was going to let the top 10 go by and not get my boy drafted. Joe Alt, tackle out of Notre Dame. You said it. He's a big hoss fucker. <laughs> uh, I think you had him listed at 315. He'll get in the weight room for, with an NFL caliber strength and conditioning coach and just beef up even more he's only allowed one sack through six games he has an 86.9 pass he had an 86.9 pass block against osu that's an important thing to see scouts look into how did you perform against top competition notre dame has racked up the eighth most rushing yards and that's because my boy joe alt is out there uh getting audric estime space to work and here's the other thing the giants are stuck with daniel jones so give him all the fucking help you can <laughs> Yep, I was between two here. I was between J.C. Latham or uh, Malik Nabors. Nabiers? Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce that one? You know? LSU, wide receiver? Nabiers, I think. Okay. I was between those two. Similar argument. Let's just get some people in the building who can help out DJ a little bit. They have such a small wide receiver room that a six-foot-tall wide receiver is actually relatively big. But I did end up going with J.C. Latham. Latham. I'll learn how to pronounce your names when you're in the NFL. Pretty sure it's Latham. Just same same arguments you made there. Get get Daniel Jones whatever help you can, especially with a guy who likes to take off and run. If you have a tackle that you know, he doesn't have to worry about what they're doing over there. And he can keep his eyes up field or decide to take off without getting pressure off his left side. You draft that guy. So I have the Giants taken JC Latham, 10 overall close out our top 10 mock draft. We went 0 for 10 on picking the same guy in the same spot. I like it. But I feel like a lot of them were just, you know, slightly off. Yeah. I mean, we had a few that were just slightly off on there for sure. I mean, in general, we had a, a pretty similar top 10, except I apparently overdrafted edges by your measure. Eh, who knows? It's a, it's a crapshoot. It's a fucking draft. <laughs> what All do right, we Mike, know, really? <laughs> let's, uh, eh, we'll come back to this every few weeks. See, see how we yeah. update our, our lists. Let's uh let's hit this Falcon same game parlay here real quick and then talk about the week five slate of games. So going into this week, Texans at Falcons, big uh talent alone team against talent alone quarterback kind of matchup. Broke this down the way I tend to like to do into categories here. It's what are the Falcons doing well? What are the Falcons doing poorly? What are the Texans doing well? What are the Texans doing poorly? Um let me just state here, uh, current line, Atlanta minus one and a half. You know what the over, over under 41 and a half. I, I felt like I was going to have to look that up, but then I remembered that I have bet that a bunch of times. So here's by my measure. What are the Falcons doing well, Mike? As far as I can tell, their best asset right now is defending the run. Minus 0.24 EPA per rush which is the highest ranked rush defense shout outs to Jesse Bates. Who's been coming down in the box on a lot of those plays and by PFF grade, they're the third ranked rush defense. Then 
that matches up just about perfectly with what the Texans are doing poorly. The Texans are actually running the ball really poorly. Mm-hmm. 32nd ranked success rate, 24th ranked by EPA per play. They're not moving the ball on the ground at all. Mike, did you uh, come to a similar conclusion on that that matchup there? Run defense versus run offense really in the favor of the Falcons' run defense right now? Yeah, I think that's totally in the favor. Damian Pierce is not have is he he's in a sophomore slump, as some would say. Yeah, and Singletary hasn't really broken out in any way, and C.J. Stroud isn't really much of a runner. I mean, he can run, but he doesn't do it a ton. So I think that there's something there. On the other end of things, the, what are the Falcons doing poorly? Uh, it's just Desmond Ritter, man. Like, every morning, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones should wake up and thank God that Desmond Ritter is currently a starter in the NFL. Sam Howell, too. Because no matter what you say about those guys, you can say, at least it's not Desmond Ritter. He has been god-awful. 26 in yards per game, I will point out. That is ahead of Bryce Young. He has more yards per game than Bryce Young. 31st in QBR, which is also ahead of Bryce Young. 28th in passer rating, also ahead of Bryce Young. 42% success rate, which is very low, still ahead of Bryce Young. And 31st ranked EPA per drop back, which is ahead of Bryce Young. You want to defend your tiny boy there? No, but Desmond Ritter's numbers are way less defensible. He has all these weapons around him. He doesn't count if you don't call plays to throw to them. He makes me think of, there's an episode of South Park where Cartman... I'm not going to go through the whole synopsis. Basically, there's this moment where Cartman ends up with like and like an automatic like rifle or whatever, and he starts shooting it, and it like shakes his body. He's like shooting all over the place. That's Desmond Ritter. He has these weapons, and he just can't hit anything. Yeah, but here's the thing, also, Mike. Uh, Bryce Young's worse, so just that's really the thing there. I'm time will settle this for me. I will be in the right. You just wait. Well, neither one of them is playing next year anyway, so. So then the follow-up question is, what are the Texans doing well? Unfortunately, these don't line up as well, but it's Stroud crowd, baby. Mm-hmm. 11th ranked EPA per dropback, which once again, a reminder, Houston's offensive line is bad, and he's still 11th ranked in EPA per dropback. And Stroud didn't have a great first week. That was against the Ravens when they only scored like nine points. But since then, he's been phenomenal. I could look it up real quick here if we'll take a quick pause. Even in that Ravens game, though, I will say while you're pulling that up that he made some throws that were still nice. Like, he wasn't abysmal in the situation. That's also an interesting point that this is a good test for Stroud. Probably the best defense he's played since the Ravens. Fifth ranked drop back EPA per play for CJ Stroud, discounting week one. Gotcha. Uh, Worth noting on this list. Desmond Ritter, 28th ranked EPA per play, discounting week one. Still better than Bryce Young? Yeah, Bryce Young's 29th. (laughs) So, worth noting, CJ Stroud, currently fourth in the NFL in yards a game at 303 yards, and 61% of their plays have been passes. So that's 61 to 39% run-pass balance. So, Mike, here's a guarantee, one of the things I want to bet here, is the over. 
Like, no question about it for me. I want to bet the over, and I want to bet C.J. Stroud passing over. As the, the town alone official team, Atlanta Falcons, I've watched a lot of Falcons so far this year, and I can tell you Jesse Bates is very good, so that's my only concern there. But I do have something to control for that. I think we see C.J. Stroud throw his first interception of the season today, or tomorrow. Wow. So, I'm pulling up the, the odds here now. I have it saved. Oh, yeah, I get it. You're not connecting. Whatever. Okay, so if we take the over, CJ Stroud over half an interception. I'm pulling it up now. I, I have uh, it listed here, but I just want to get as up-to-the-date numbers as possible, which that CJ Stroud number plummeted since the last time I checked, but oh well. Then we take CJ Stroud over on passing yards, which is currently at 247.5, which he has beat every week so far. I think Damian Pierce is current over-under is set at 50.5. Not an outrageously high over, but once again, Houston cannot move the ball on the ground, and Atlanta's had a very good run defense. So if we take Damian Pierce under 50.5 and Desmond Ritter under 174.5, which just a note, when I initially was putting together this bet and Desmond Ritter, it was at 181.5. Gone down. It's gone down. Kind of makes me want to take the over. You know what? Keep going down. (laughs) I might keep the Desmond Ritter under off of it because I don't like betting quarterback passing unders and the general game over. That's like two opposite play script ideas. But if we keep that like I have it now, we're looking at plus 1045 odds. On FanDuel. Is that four or five legs? It's five legs. I mean, we can we can go with the four leg here and just drop the Desmond Ritter one. Which would drop the odds down a little bit here. So let's let's drop that because I don't feel great about it. Okay. I mean, I have just five legs. The number, so. Just because the number went down. So now it drops it to plus 402, which is minuscule for a same game parlay. But it's over 41 and a half, CJ Stroud over 247 and a half, Damian Pierce under 50 and a half, and CJ Stroud to throw an interception. Let's, uh, let's hear your same game parlay. And that's at, at plus 402. Let's hear your same game parlay there, Mike. All right. So I think the Texans are winning this game. So right off the bat, I didn't just take a money line. I went ahead and alt spread them minus two and a half. I think they can win this game by a field goal. That's plus 132, that leg right there. I'm that's, with you, by the that's way. That's like an elite betting idea. I hadn't even thought of that. That's so good. Oh, just kick the odds up a little bit by taking like a low. No, just like spread. that specific one, because I'm with you also on I think Houston wins this game. And I think Houston's a better team and they're the underdogs. And just saying, just taking like a magic Vegas number, like three or six, and just saying, I'm going to bet slightly under this number, but still alt spread it to make it longer odds. That's fucking like galaxy brain move there. Next couple uh, legs of this, obviously Stroud crowd, baby. I got Stroud over one and a half touchdowns plus one Oh two. I'm tra- I'm with you on the over in uh, receiving yards or not receiving yards in passing yards at two forty seven and a half, which is minus one fourteen. As far as who he's going to throw some of those yards to, I went with tank Dell over 41 and a half. At uh, minus one fourteen as well, Bold. and then not to be entirely anti Falcons since they are Town Alone's team. I threw a Bijan parlay in there. His over under for rushing was set like around eighty yards, and that's just for me. That's a little high. He's also 
has Algier in the backfield, and if Algier gets going early on, they could go for him. Plus, Bijan is a dual threat. So who knows how those yards could be mixed up for him to get his 100 yards uh, from scrimmage. So I decided to go Bijan over on receiving yards at 27.5, also minus 114. Parlay comes out to plus 13.23. And once again, as I continue to try to get us a FanDuel sponsorship, through that FanDuel 30% boost token on it. So we're looking at plus 17.20. Damn. Once again, just proving how conservative I am versus you when it comes to betting. Worth noting here, last week, both of us missed our Falcon same game parlay, but I missed it by half a touchdown, and you missed it by a everything. lot more than half a touchdown. But everything, yes. I did not do shit right last week. This week, though, that's because last week I was I was blinded by the Falcons being the talent alone's team this season. I'm not blinded anymore. I've seen the light, and the light is Desmond Ritter, and the light is ugly. <laughs> that, that sounded mean. I'm not saying he's, like, physically ugly. Just... A little, a he's a little he's a little dorky looking what's <laughs> with the good. franchise people in atlanta where they just look like dorks like uh, oh. uh trey young he's like a fucking dork too matt ryan is a huge dork matt ryan is a huge dork but matt ryan looks kind of like a creative player matt ryan looks like the kind of guy that <laughs> you may have to cut this joke but i was just gonna say he looks like the kind of guy that conservative girls just fall head over heels for like, he is such a L7 weenie. He is so squared. That dude wears polos every day of his life. Yeah, he wears, like, the dad ones where you get, like, a Lacoste polo. And it's just, like, Robin's egg blue. And he's just wearing mm-hmm. it with, like, tan pants. But it's, you know, a Saturday and he's going out with, like, his wife or something. That is the Matt Ryan-ass look. Absolutely. He's got, like, uh, like those those, like, loafers on. I don't know why we're making fun of Matt Ryan right now. He sounds like he dresses perfectly fine from my description of him. He's a fucking dork. He looks like, like I, I, if, if you found out that Matt Ryan retired from football and decided to become a Banana Republic model, would that really surprise you? Matt Ryan looks like every time there's a loud noise in his neighborhood, he comes walking out with his hands on his hips. Like, <laughs> like very perturbed. What the, he what definitely, the heck's going on out here? My Ryan is definitely like the person who attends the HOA meetings for his neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Every morning, like Saturday morning, he's out there watering his grass. Yeah. It's, and he's, he's like the guy where it's, you know, the ordinance is like 9 a.m. You can't mow until 9 a.m. He's out there on his fucking riding mower. It's 9.01 in the morning. Yes. Ready to go. Uh, so while we, were, while we were sitting here talking, I just made like a total from the heart, not from the head. Same game parlay on this this Falcons-Houston. Just because I didn't bet last week and I felt bad about it. And I got to be honest with you. I know you're trying to get a FanDuel sponsorship, but DraftKings had better odds on it, so I made it on DraftKings. All right. So here's here's my actual, official same game parlay, because I bet it. Total over 41.5. Texans took yours. Alt spread it, minus 2.5. CJ Stroud over 246.5. Desmond Ritter, or sorry, not Desmond Ritter. Uh, Damian Pierce under 51.5. And CJ Stroud to throw an interception at plus 3,800. I like it though. It's a good mix. It's not all positive. A couple but it of is all Texans. There. It is all Texans. But I mean, that's going to be the league in a few years. It's all about the Texans. <laughs> all right. Well, between, you know, roasting Matt Ryan and me having to try to balance gambling with talking at the same time, 
uh, we of course went long. So let's get to some games of the week here. <laughs> let's, yeah, spend, let's try to spend the shortest amount of time on our podcast this week talking about games that are coming up this weekend. On our preview pod. Yep. So we'll start here talking about the game of the week. Mike, do you and I have the same game of the week here? Yeah, I uh, looked at the slate, looked at what you put down, and I totally agree. It's Niners, Dallas. Also, Sunday Night Football. Big game feel for this one. Big game feel. Current line, San Francisco minus three and a half, over under set at 45. Major notes that I have for this game. This is Shanahan against Quinn, again, Dan Quinn, which was the 27-3 Super Bowl comeback squad. Shanahan's also performed pretty well against Dan Quinn in the past. I don't have the exact numbers, but I, I think that Shanahan might be undefeated against Dan Quinn-led defenses. Also, the Niners have knocked the Cowboys out of the playoffs both of the last two years. Fun fact. So, Mike, here's what I'm watching for in this game. Christian McCaffrey's continued dominance. So far in the year, going into week five, so through four games, 600 scrimmage yards, seven touchdowns, which puts him on pace for a 2,550-yard season from scrimmage and 29 touchdowns. I do not think he will continue that pace. But if he does, that might be the first time that a non-quarterback has won MVP in a minute. I was, I was about to say, and you still wouldn't give him an MVP vote, would you? <laughs> <laughs> if he scores 29 touchdowns, I'll go ahead and vote Christian McCaffrey for MVP. Hard to beat that one. The other thing I'm looking for is if we see the Cowboys' defensive dominance continue. Currently leading the league in EPA allowed per play at minus two minus point two six nine, which means they basically turn every team they're playing in into the Desmond Ritter led Atlanta Falcons. They're more likely currently for a drive against the Cowboys defense to end in a turnover than to end in an offensive score. 23.3 of their drives have ended in turnovers. Only 20.3 have ended in offensive scores. That is, this is wild. What's up? This is the Niners? No, this is Cowboys defense. Cowboys defense. Okay, gotcha. Uh, currently, also, watching for Brock Purdy is the most efficient passer in the NFL. Don't know how long that's going to keep going. I'm the biggest Purdy denier in the world, but he currently has a four point or point four seven four EPA per play on dropbacks, which is like adding a point every 2.1 passes. And then... Just Brandon Ayuk. I wrote about him in the My Guys column this week. Brandon Ayuk's season is ridiculous so far. 107.5 yards per game, 18.8 yards of reception, 16-yard A dot, two touchdowns, 85% success rate. Wildly high. Mm -hmm. Mike, what are your thoughts on this game? And then I want to get predictions for it as it is our game of the week. So first of all, I want to say you're not alone because PFF also thinks Brock Purdy is not as good as his basic box score would tell you uh 20th ranked pass grade at 66 68.8 in the nfl i'm i'm gonna tell you right now call it a hot take i take the under in this one because the thing i'm looking at the most very similar to some of the things you said these are two top tier defenses i really like both these defenses so it will come down to who can make just a couple of key plays to get them like a big chunk of like a big chunk play here or there could be the difference in this one. The Niners offense is so well-rounded, but I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm a big fan of both these defenses, like I said. 
I could see this one ending 24 to 10 in favor of San Francisco. I'm still not a Dak believer. Like, I think he's good. I think he's fine. Ridiculous. Fucking ridiculous. I I think he's good. I think he's fine. I'm not a Dak believer that he's a big time QB anymore. You just traded for him in fantasy. Uh, My options aren't great right now. (laughs) I had Justin Herbert on my team still. It's a two QB league, and I have Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young. All right. Anthony Richardson is an awesome fantasy player. How dare he you? is, but it's a two QB league. <laughs> so I have the final score set at 24, 21 San Francisco, which means that you should probably, if you believe that's going to be true, you should probably bet the over because that would cover the over and Dallas plus three and a half. Mike, one other thing I want to get here before we move I would, on. I would What's push up? currently. Oh, is, is it at uh 46 now? Yeah. No, on FanDuel, it's uh, 45, and you said 24, oh, I 21. I, I haven't marked it 44 and a half on my sheet. Oh, okay. Mike, as it's our game of the week, I do want to start a new tradition here also. Let's throw out a random specific prediction, see if it hits. Let me give you oh. an example. Mine this week that I'm going to go with is, I think we see a two-plus touchdown George Kittle game. George Kittle, notoriously bad season for him so far. Yeah. Hasn't had a really get positive game. Him and Dallas Goddard or having like similar seasons to note how bad it's been for him. And I think we see a weird two plus touchdown George Kittle game. My weird specific prediction. There will be a defensive score on each for each team this week. God, that's great. I can't believe you one up my two plus George (laughs) Kittle touchdown with two defensive touchdowns, one for each team. Yeah. I'm taking a, a Micah Parsons scoop and score. And, uh, I don't know for the for the Niners, but I'm definitely taking the Micah Parsons scoop and score. I like that one. Micah Parsons scoop and score, not Leighton Vanderesh. Not Leighton Vanderesh, fucking dork. <laughs> he lives right next door to Matt Ryan. Not to go back to it, but Matt Ryan's the guy from the Always Sunny episode. Is like scorcher today, huh? Leighton Vanderesh is the guy that wears those like fucking fingerless lifting gloves because he doesn't want to get calluses. Damn, we're really we really ragging on. Leighton Vanderess the last couple weeks. Kind of feel bad about it. I liked him up until we started making fun of him. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike. I got some other notable games here that we'll go through. So feel free to throw in any here, any here, but I have them listed. We'll go through these each one at a time. For starters, London game. Jags, Bills in Tottenham Stadium. Line opened at Bills minus three and a half. The last time I checked, it was seen at Bills minus five and a half. Over under currently at 48 and a half. What I'm watching for in this game is the Bills' depleted secondary against the Jags' disappointing receivers. It's really who's who of who can't play. Bills, pretty good defense so far in the year. Don't think it's a stretch to say that. But they did lose Trey White for the season last week. Uh, Jordan Poyer, is that his first name? That didn't sound right for some reason. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know why that didn't sound right. Currently listed as questionable, as well as Christian Binford is listed as questionable. Yeah. Mike, what are your thoughts on this game? I'm not as I think you are big on like because you called out this line, the spread on our Monday pod, right? I might have. Who can remember anymore? Yeah. I talk so much about football in a week. It's three and a half. It may have been more. I'm not. I can't remember. Remember you calling it out? You're like, you know, Bill's got to travel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was your big thing. Just like stay away. Stay away. I'm not too worried about it. I think uh, my. I guess my worry is that was a big win last week, and I, don't, I always have this worry that sometimes. This sounds really back, like really degrading, but 
we play down to competition sometimes. Like, I think you saw it week one after Rodgers left the game. I feel like we just kind of were like, all right, put it in the bag. And then we kind of got smacked, uh, unfortunately. I'm a little worried here that, that could happen. I'm also very worried, like you said, about the secondary. That... Worth noting that you say they played down to competition and they absolutely thrashed the commanders. The commanders and Vegas. So this year, yeah. I, we haven't really seen it as much. In past years, I feel like it's happened. So I don't I mean... think you're wrong, though. I do think that there's an opportunity for a letdown game here. They just went up against a juggernaut team in their own division that they were very well prepared for and played very well. Didn't need to use the same word twice there. And they're following that up by traveling five time zones to play against a team that's been in London for two weeks. Is yeah, an opportunity that, for a letdown game. That's the word I was looking for, a letdown game. They got my ears perked up for that. But Bill's Mafia ride or die. I think we can take care of business here. I think we uh, probably beat him 60 to 10. No, I'm kidding. 60 to 10. All right, next game I have on here. Ravens at Steelers. Good old-fashioned AFC North rivalry. Opened at Ravens minus one, currently seen at Ravens minus four and a half. Over under, opened at 49 and a half, dropped to 38. I don't know what it's at now. I can look that up real quick in a second here. But Kenny Pickett was limited in practice. He's been confirmed to be playing as far as I know. Unfortunate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You'd rather see Titty Kiss and Trubisky out there? Always. What I'm watching for this week is can Lamar shred a middling defense? So Lamar currently sitting at an 80.8 rushing grade when pressured, and he's been pressured on 31% of his dropbacks. The only thing that Pittsburgh has to their name is TJ Watt. So I think that we could see that pressure rate raised a little bit. I think that maybe they'll be dumb enough to try to blitz Lamar, and we might see him just shred him on the ground. But if they decide not to blitz and this offensive line stands up, Lamar Jackson, also on the season, 90 grade when he has a clean pocket. Steelers defense, middling to poor in EPA per play and success rate. Ninth rush pass grade by PFF, or ninth ranked pass rush. I got my words mixed up. Ninth ranked pass rush by PFF, 15th ranked defensive DVOA. It's a middling defense, and I think that if we see them bring pressure against Lamar, it could be a huge Lamar day. I agree, and I'm going to add on to that by making a hot take here, possibly. You want to talk about specific predictions? I think Mike Tomlin is about to suffer the worst loss at home of his coaching career. Do you happen to know what that number would be? I don't, but it's going to happen. <laughs> okay. So for all we I, know, that could be two-and-a-half-point loss, yeah. or that could be a 45-point loss. It happened to uh, Belichick last week. Yeah. Legacy, legacy coaches are going down. Even though you know this what? would include Harbaugh, who's also a legacy coach, but ignore that part. <laughs> I do want to look up real quick what this over-under is sitting at now. I think I got it pulled up here. 38. Still at 38? Mm-hmm. I wonder if it went down when Pickett got confirmed. All right, so go ahead and take the under people, because 35 nothing Detroit, or mean Baltimore. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. 35. Detroit's going to score 35 points in a game they're not playing. Yeah, 35 nothing Ravens. Caw, bitch. All right, Mike, final, final notable game I have on here. I have Eagles at Rams. This is the four o'clock slate game. Opened at Philly minus six and a half. Currently sitting at Philly minus four and a half. Over under opened at 47 and a half. And it's currently sitting at 50 and a half. What I'm watching for in this game is can we see Hertz bounce back? I know he had a big game last week, but that was a numbers big game, not a play big game. 
He got lucky with Emmanuel Forbes being dog shit and A.J. Brown being very good. Like this, I hate to be that guy already because I am, I, I know marginally more about football than your average guy sitting in a bar. But this is definitely a watch the tape kind of season so far for Philly. They're 4-0. They torched Washington last week. But Hertz is not playing through contact. That might be a coaching thing where they don't want him hurt again going into the playoffs. But he's his internal clock hasn't been up to speed. He's getting hit when he doesn't even know the pressure's coming in. He's making one or two reads and then throwing the ball. And maybe it's like a coordinator issue. Like maybe him and Brian Johnson don't trust each other quite yet. Maybe it's a coaching thing where they, they just want Hurts healthy for the playoffs. They started 4-0, so there's only so much that you can really say here. But I'm a little worried about Jalen Hurts so far. Has not looked as effective or efficient. I, I, I think I admitted it that my priors were wrong. I said the uh, the loss of the stinky wouldn't be that noticeable. The loss of the stink is noticeable. They need more stank in Philly to get Jalen Hurts going. It's crazy that both of those coordinators went on and are, have already done like a pretty good job at their new teams. Oh, yeah. They're both doing very well for themselves. Both I think the th- stinking robot Gannon. Mm-hmm. And looking at the game kind of in general, this is another one where Eagles should definitely watch out. They could get their first. I, I don't think it's crazy that they could get caught and get their first loss since they're going to be on the road. This Rams team is such a... They're like that team where like no one's expecting them to win the Super Bowl. Probably not going to make the playoffs, but they're going to play hard every single week. I mean, both of their losses were, were one-score losses to a very good Niners team and a very shitty Bengals team. But they've beat two pretty solid teams in the Colts and the Seahawks. They're just like that team this year where it's never going to be an easy game against them. So I think the Eagles could get caught here. A way I, I've been liking to think about this game, too, is if you just flip the coaches, if you put McVay behind the play sheet for the Eagles and Sirianni on the sideline for the Rams, what do you think this line would be? It'd be flipped, probably. I think it'd be, I, I think it'd be Eagles minus like seven and a half or eight. Wow. Like, I think, I think McVay is a significantly better coach than Sirianni. Hmm. So that's, that's part of my, I don't know, agreement with you. I just think that sometimes you just go with who's the best coach in a weird game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I'm looking for here is if we get Cooper Cup back, what is that target share going to look like between him and Puka? Like so far through four weeks, Matt Stafford has targeted Puka Nakua 36%, 34%, 21%, and 22%. And if we I, see Cooper Cup come back in, what is that target share going to look like? I think it's going to look like the Malcolm in the Middle meme where the kid is dunking and he goes, the future is now, old man. That's what it's going to be. Puka's going to dunk on Cooper Puka's and take dunk. all his target. Damn. It's going to happen. Brutal for the cup. Puka big dick Nakua. You just can't beat it. So here's a fun little thing to watch for. Will this be? So the line is what? Plus is a four right now, correct? Four and a half. Four and a half. Will this be the first week that the Rams fail to cover? They pushed once. And they've covered the other three times. Now nah, I kind of think the Rams cover. I think so too. I kind of, I kind of like the four and a half. Like we're just coming off Philly going to overtime against the Commanders team that then followed it up by losing to the Bears. And the week before, not just to do like the one week means everything. The week before, lost massively to Buffalo. Like it's not a good Commanders team. I get it, divisional round. That's always weird. 
but this isn't a Philly team that's putting away games in the third quarter the way they did last year. And this is a Rams team that's hanging around with everyone. And my last question, is Aaron Donald the ultimate neutralizer of the tush push? Yeah, tush push is unstoppable, brother. Think so? Brotherly shove, nothing. Nothing's beating that. They did a weird one last week where Jalen Hurts like went for it and then ran out to the outside and got a first down. Trickery. Yeah. You could have, you know, LT up there. No one's stopping the tush push. What was the name we went with? The cheek QB squeak cheek. Or... Oh, QB cheek. Cheek squeak. I kind of like that one, too. You called the cheek sneak? I kind of like squeak. Squeak it in there. All right, Mike, did you have any other games you wanted to highlight? Or are you ready to get the fuck out of here? I do no, but I just want to go back to my uh, specific prediction for the Niner for the Niners Cowboys. I said yeah. Mike Parsons scoop and score. I'm also going to go with either a um, uh, Greenlaw or Warner, the linebackers for Niners. One of them is getting a pick six on Dak. Calling it right now. I can see that with Fred Warner. Got, also, got a bad throw. Hufunga. That's a that's yeah. a guy who who can grab pick six. Here's a guy. Yeah. Here's a guy. Here's a guy that's more <laughs> likely to get a pick six. All right, Mike. Got uh, got some fast lane predictions going up today. Yes, sir. Pay-per-views tonight. Is it really? Oh, fuck, tonight. it is Saturday. Mm-hmm. But make sure to read our predictions beforehand or you'll just be totally lost on what's going on. Yeah. The perfect have, primer. No idea who's going to win the match until it happens unless you read our predictions. Exactly. Uh, Starting next week, you getting that uh college football thing going? Yeah, got a college football article to start next week. A little bit of a review of the previous week a lot of things to look forward to next week uh it has a we're gonna be calling it on saturday which i really like it kind of has like uh what i don't know like a morning show vibe to it on saturday with mike regan <laughs> i like it and that's gonna be kicking off next week and the theme song for it is uh saturday by fallout boy so no oh, nice saturday. <laughs> next week we'll have Three Talent Alone podcasts up. Our normal Monday show, our normal Friday show, which today was on Saturday, and our NBA Over-Unders podcast. Following that, we're going to be going to three a week to get the... Oh, fuck. Push come to shove, Mike. What's the official name of it going to be? Basky. Basky. We're going to get the Basky podcast going up on Saturdays following that week, where we'll be doing 45 minutes on hockey and 45 minutes on basketball. And... Coming up on Monday this week, we got the My Guys article, which is now being rebranded to Team Talent Alone because I did not like the name. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. Talking some betting. Talking some... Maybe Anthony Richardson? I'm going to do some kind of film review. Oh, Cam Curl. We're going to do Cam Curl because something's up in the Washington defense and we got to figure that out. But besides that, be sure to check out talentalone.com. Be sure to email us at talentalonepod at gmail.com with your comments, questions, or concerns. And if you want to come on the podcast, talk about basketball and hockey, then, uh, I don't know, tweet at Mike, a town little Mike. Tweet at me. We'll, we'll make it happen, people. I'll have my people reach out to your people. All right. And only one thing to say before we get out of here, Mike. Big cock fox. Big cock fox.